Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 15. We're going to read God's Word. We're going to pray for our series that's starting up today. We're going to jump in. So Jeremiah 15, 1 through 7. For us to best understand lamentations, you really need to see and get a good oversight of who Jeremiah and his book is about. So we are starting here. As we start this new series in Lamentations, like Nahum and Micah and parts of the Old Testament, there's many books that we don't have a great understanding to, and and the book of Lamentations fits that mold perfectly. So I know that a lot of you guys are not thinking, oh man, great, Lamentations, that's right in my wheelhouse. But listen, it is going to blow your mind the history and the culture and the application and reality and where we see Jesus before Jesus came in Matthew is going to blow your mind the connectiveness in the scriptures. I'm telling you, I want you to hold on. If you haven't opened your Bible yet and you go, man, I'll, I'll open it if I need to, you need to open your Bibles. Get your highlighters out. If there was ever a week that's a highlighter week, this is a highlighter week. I want you to see the magnitude of who God is in this book and in the Old Testament. So turn your Bibles to Jeremiah 15. So understand that Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, wrote this book and 99% of us believe that he wrote Lamentations for many good reasons. And so I want you to see this word before we pray. Verse 1, chapter 15. Then the Lord said to me, now remember, Jeremiah is a prophet. He is speaking to God. Then the Lord said to me, even if Moses, even if Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favored towards these people. It's a bold statement. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And it shall be, if they say to you, well, where should I go? Then you shall tell them, thus says the Lord, such as are for the death to death, and such as for the sword to the sword, and such as for the famine to the famine, and such as for captivity to captivity. And I will appoint over them four forms of destruction. So listen to me, guys. For us to understand where we are going in limitations, the magnitude of the Old Testament, please hang with me in Jeremiah, okay? Verse 3. And I will appoint over them four forms of destruction, says the Lord. The sword to slay, the dogs to drag, the birds of the heaven and the beasts of the earth will devour and destroy. I will hand them over to trouble. Highlight that. I will hand them over to trouble. That is the emphasis of Jeremiah. I will hand them over to trouble to all kingdoms of the earth because of the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for what he did to Jerusalem. Verse 5. For who will have pity on you, O 
Jerusalem. We're going to keep going, but understand, Jeremiah is native to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, who has drifted from the Lord, God is speaking to Jeremiah about the warning he is to give the people of Jerusalem. For who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? Or who will beam in you, Jerusalem? Or who will turn aside and ask how you are doing? For you have forsaken me, says God. You have gone backward. Therefore, I will stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am weary of relenting. I like that. I am weary of relenting. And I'm winning them with a fan in the gates of the land. I will bereave them of children. I will destroy my people. Hang on it before we pray. Since they do not return from their ways. Let's bow our heads and let's pray for our series today. God, we thank you for today. Lord, as a young man, my mind is still blown at the magnitude of your story. God, I pray you never take that from me. I pray you never take how my mind is just blown from the magnitude of what you're doing. How your son is shown clearly in every book of the Bible, the old, the the new, the gospels, how we can see Jesus' thumbprint in all of it. I'm amazed at what is not discovered or undiscovered and how all of the Bibles is connected together and you can see the characters and the stories and the application connected to the truth for our good and for your glory, I pray in this phenomenally helpful book, I pray that you guard our hearts and our minds and you allow us to feast our eyes on your goodness. Let us remove all distractions and grow deeper in your truths. In your precious name, the church says in harmony, amen. Amen. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to Lamentations. Turn your Bible to, it's just a few chapters forward. We're going to be in Lamentations 1 today. Now, as I told you, for you to fully understand Lamentations, it is almost a requirement that you at least get the gist of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the same as the Jeremiah who wrote Jeremiah and the one who speaks in Lamentations, he was a prophet in the Old Testament and his book was a book of calling to repentance for the people of Israel, the people of Jerusalem. He was speaking to these individuals and he was saying, repent of your ways. What we just read in Jeremiah, you have drifted. What did God say? You have gone backwards. Jeremiah brought a similar message that we saw in Micah when Micah came. Do you remember Micah? When Micah came and he said, God is what? Coming. I know God is here and he never leaves, but the the word and the warning Micah brought was, hey, God is not pleased and he is not going to stand pat with unchecked sin. God is coming. Now, Jeremiah One of the themes in this book was that he did not see himself as very successful. There's this theme woven into all 52 chapters where Jeremiah was disheartened and he was discouraged and he was burdened because unlike Micah, these were his people. 
So Micah and Nahum and Dan, all these people, what we see in scripture, they come into places like evangelists. They come into places like missionaries and they bring the word, okay? Jeremiah, this was his home people. Like this was his home turf. So he was burdened as he looked at his friends and his family and the people who taught him, the people who walked with him, his people. And he says, please, I am begging you to turn and repent. And the people refused. So there's a theme in Jeremiah where this man is just saddened at what seems to be unsuccessful evangelism. So I want you to see this. I told you to go to Lamentations and you can probably just look to your left and you see where I want you to go. Look at Jeremiah 52. It's at the very end, so you just look to your left. Look at Jeremiah 52, 28. Now, Jeremiah has spent 51 chapters saying God is coming, okay? Unchecked sin will not go unpunished. I have warned you, I have warned you, I have warned you, correction is coming, right? Look at 52, 28. This is how Jeremiah ends. These are the people whom Nebuchadnezzar, I like that. Where have we seen Nebuchadnezzar before? These are the people whom Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive. In the seventh year, 3,023 Jews. In the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar, he carried away captive from Jerusalem 832 people. In the 23rd year of Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard carried away captive of the Jews 745 people. All the persons were 4,600. So Jeremiah spent his entire book waving the flag. God is coming. Repent of your sin. Stay faithful. It ends with God showing up. And so like Nahum with the Assyrians, right? Remember this, Micah? Like that, Nebuchadnezzar is the Assyrians. So God uses King Nebuchadnezzar to correct Jerusalem in their sin. You following me? Okay, light bulb moment. Light bulb moment, dots connecting, scripture being collectively put together well. Where have we seen Nebuchadnezzar? Good old King Neb. Where have we seen Nebuchadnezzar? What study? We've gone through this book. It's Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar is a phenomenal character, rich with goodness, so much there. We dissected this character in Daniel. Understand how it's all connected. Where did Daniel begin? The book of Daniel. If you did not listen to Daniel, you weren't here for Daniel, it's on iTunes and YouTube and every other format of anybody who will listen to me, go back and hear the Daniel series. Daniel, the book of Daniel, begins with him being taken, remember? His real name is not Daniel. So Daniel and his crew of friends, they get taken, do you remember this? By who? King Nebuchadnezzar. So understand the moment. King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. Babylon is what is used to correct Jerusalem. That's Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah. During this takeover is when Daniel is taken. I just read this to you. So Jeremiah ends when Daniel begins. You follow me? Anyone think this is cool except for me? Yes, it's very cool. 
So where's Lamentations? So Jeremiah says, God is coming, God is coming, God is coming. He shows up. King Nebuchadnezzar comes and does what King Nebuchadnezzar does. And he takes over the city and he takes the people. And Daniel's in the midst of this, right? I'm going to change your name and make you eat my food. Lamentations is right in the midst of it. As Jeremiah is still there with his people in Jerusalem and he is watching the aftermath of what punishment looks like. Feel me? So Jeremiah is warning, 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 warning. Lamentations is you didn't heed the warning. This is where we are in Lamentations 1. Lamentations is the sequel to Jeremiah, where Jeremiah is looking among his people in the aftermath and the ruins of punishment. Lamentations 1.1. Get your highlighter out. Highlight the whole verse. For you guys that did not grow up, man, with this expository type teaching and understanding what came before and after, man, when you understand the characters and the books before and after and everything starts to be pieced together, we will read a verse like chapter one and it comes to life because you understand the moment. For example, now listen to it that you know Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, how lonely sits this city. See it? So if I was just to give this to David and go, hey, David, read Lamentations. What do you think? Like the mind doesn't go to the culture and the history and the background and Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. It doesn't go there. But now that you know it, how lonely sits the city? And you're like, man, I feel it now, right? That was full of people. What punctuation mark is that? That was full of people. Exclamation part. How like a widow is she who is great among the nations, the princes among the provinces. Space has become a slave now. So we have this moment in Lamentations where Jeremiah is looking off his balcony at his beloved people and his home, and he is saying, what I warned you was going to happen, happened. Jeremiah is a warning. Lamentations is what it means to not hear the warning. Do you know what the word lamentations even means? It literally means tear-filled eyes. Not a person's name that we're going to undiscover. Lamentations literally means the passionate expression of grief or sorrow. It is written by the prophet Jeremiah in a poetic form that interweaves the language from his point of view. And then he speaks among the people like a eulogy at a funeral. That is the book of Lamentations. As David uh, Brent's scripture, where was that at, brother? I was, man, that was so good. We're going to really pull from that. That was really great. And then David's prayer for our country fits in perfectly as well because this book, not only do we see culture and history and mind-blowing moments of connectiveness and relatability, we see our reality today. This is a book that is very relatable to how closely emotional we feel concerning the state of our country today. 
mean, we shot those fireworks off. Even you guys today, I see people, young and old, coming in with like stars on their shirts and their red pants and blue shirts and all of those things, man. Like we are people who love our country, right? Amen? We like our heritage and we like our story and we celebrate those who have lost their lives, rightfully so, for fighting for our freedoms. We like being American, But man, in that loving our country, it brings a great sadness to see the ungodliness that has snuck into it. So we sit here and we see what they've done to marriage and we see the messages they are pouring into our children. And we see corruption in politics and entertainment and even the home and what has turned into even the church. And man, it kills us for a handful of reasons because one, we're called to hate sin that we worry and we're concerned about our family, but also, man, these are our people. And sometimes, have you ever felt like, man, I have a hard time rooting for us? You ever felt that? Like, what have we become? What has happened to us? This is Jeremiah. Man, I love you guys, but man, I'm ashamed of you, right? Look at Lamentations 1 through 11. Close your eyes and just let it come to life. You just see it come. Now that you know his mind and his heart, you see his emotions, tear-filled eyes, you get it. Have your highlighters ready. I'm going to put you to work. How lonely sits the city. Man, at one time it was full of people. And how like a widow is she who is great among the nations, the prince among the provinces. Now she's become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night. Her tears are on her cheeks among all of her lovers. She has none to comfort her. I like that. She has none to comfort her. All of her friends have dealt treasury to her. And they have become now her enemies. Judah has gone into captivity under affliction and hard servitude. She dwells among the nations. She finds no rest. All of her persecutors overtake her in dire straits. The roads to Zion mourn because no one comes to the seat to the feast, set at the feast. All of her gates are desolate. Her priests sigh and her virgins are afflicted and she is in bitterness. Her adversaries have become the master. I want you to highlight what comes after. This is where Daniel would have failed. I was talking to Shanna and Amanda who loved history yesterday. This is mind-blowing stuff. This would be Daniel. Her enemies prosper for the Lord has afflicted her because the multitude of her transgressions highlight her children have gone into the captivity before the enemy. Do you see it? Like, do you see how when you start to put the pieces together, you see God working in his sovereignty amidst all of the chapters? This is, would be an example of what fell onto young Daniel. And from the daughter of Zion, all of her splendor had departed. Her prince has become like deer that find no pasture, that flee without strength before the pursuer. In the days of her affliction and roaming, highlight this, Jerusalem remembers all of her pleasant things that she had in the days of old. Can you relate to this? 
Here's this moment where, man, they are the Rome. They are the United States of America, man. They are Caesar. They are doing well. We have the promise of God. We are Abraham's people, and they are living sinfully, but we are untouchable. And it says they now remember all the pleasant things that they had the days before. Have you ever been there? Have you ever done something against God and you have sinned and you've been in a dark space and you're so deep you start to think about, man, how good it used to be when you were at peace with all the things of the Lord? It might be your marriage. It might be your job. It might be your money. It might be your behaviors. It might be your addiction. And you went down a path because you thought, man, this is going to bring me happiness. But now you are laying down with the swan and you are staring at the stars. And you go, man, it would be so awesome if I could just get back to where I was, right? It says all of the people were like this. When her people fell into the hand of the enemy, with no one to help her, the adversary saw her and mocked her downfall. Jerusalem had sinned gravely. Therefore, she had become vile. All who honored her now despised her because they had seen her nakedness. Yes, she sighs and turns away. Her uncleanliness is in her skirts. Highlight this. She did not consider her destiny, therefore her collapse was awesome. You see that, Travis? Travis and I like to shoot verses at each other, bold, smack-talking verses. Awesome. That was in the Bible. It was awesomeness, right? She had no comforter. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy is exalted. The adversary has spread his hand over all her pleasant things, for she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary. Those whom you commanded not to enter your assembly. Highlight 11, we're going to take a second. All of her people now sigh. They seek bread and they have given their valuables for food to restore life. See, O Lord, and consider, for I am scorned. This is a picture of how things can change so quickly. That in the midst of sin, no matter how strong you believe you are and how well put together and how untouchable your life is, it says this people with great status, now they seek bread to live on. They have sold their valuables for food to restore life, right? This is a picture of how quickly life can change when sin goes unchecked. The book of Jeremiah is a call to repentance towards people who began to believe in other gods, who began to run after the world, who put the things of God on the back burner, altered truth, distorted commands, and lamentations is an in-depth illustration that man reaps what he sows. Turn to Galatians. That Jerusalem's pain was self-inflicted. Go to Galatians 6. I want you to see this to be true, not just hear my words. You said, Hunter, that's Old Testament stuff. Let's look at the new. Look at Galatians 6, verse 6 through 10. I'll give you a second. 
I was going to take a sip of something, but all I got is grape juice. (laughs) Go to Galatians 6. This is an illustration that man, that woman, reaps what they sow. Verse 6 says this, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches it. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, right? For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit of the spirit will reap everlasting life. And let us now not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we will reap what we do not lose heart in. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. Now go back to Lamentations. What we see in Jeremiah and Lamentations is Jerusalem got exactly what she deserved, and there was no one to blame except for herself. Jeremiah was Noah without the water, right? in the midst of the devastation of what sin does to people. I had this buddy in college where um, he like lived on the same floor as my apartment. And I remember that his sole purpose in life, his passion, his vision, was to find a girl, to charm her, to take her out, to sleep with her, to quickly leave her and press repeat. And that was his passion in life. That was his hobby, right? And I remember the crazy thing my my friends and I used to say to him, like, hey, brother, like, sooner or later, because it seemed like he always got away with it. Like, we were just waiting. We were, like, looking to the people, like, somebody's going to come and take your animal, right? Like, someone's going to come take your dog and kidnap him. You can't keep doing women like this. At some point, it's going to find its way back to you, right? But he just never got caught with it. They just let him go. They let him do bad things. He developed this reputation. Like, people knew it about him. He was a ladies' man and a charmer and a dog in so many different ways. Young girls, stay away from people like this. But it just never caught up with him. We kept waiting, and he just never came to the realization of how it hurt him by a woman showing up at his door. But I tell you, what did show up is what one of these sweet girls were carrying. So he ended up contracting what we would call some type of sexual transmitted disease. And I remember, I'll never forget, sitting in a coffee house downtown Jackson 17 years ago, 18 years ago, And I remember this very cool, good-looking, well-spoken, engager, charmer of a man. Talk about how empty and lonely he was now. That in the midst of all of the warning and all of the sin and all of the brokenness and all the hurt that he was pouring into all of these people and never being caught, he sits here today and says, Hunter, everyone knows where I'm at. Everyone knows what I have. Everyone knows who I am, and they have all left me. Like, I can't get a date. No one wants to hang out. People speak poorly of me, and I am lonely, lost, and empty. 
But I'll never forget at the end of it, after we leave, I pour into him the best I can with the little knowledge I knew at the time. He calls me up months later and he says, I am still empty and still lonely, but God has shown me my sin in the midst of my sorrow that I reaped exactly what I sowed. God has shown me, hang on it, God has shown me clearly my sin in the aftermath of my behavior. Right? In the aftermath, while I'm staring at my ruins, God has shown me how clearly wicked I was. Sin is a one-night stand that always leaves you empty and lonely. See if this would be true in your life. There seems to be this space in all of us between peaceful living with God and punishment and sin that lures us that the unbeaten path of faith is good for us and won't hurt us, right? So we are lured away from peace before punishment that we won't find God's punishment and correction in our life. And like my friend and like myself and like many of you, Jerusalem wandered from God's peace and they found exactly what they were looking for and that was emptiness and punishment. So what do we see in the prodigal son? We referenced it a minute ago with the swine. We got this moment where my man has it all figured out. Dad's like, give me the money. I got a better plan than you. Let me go out. He swans it all together. He swindles it all away. He loses his money, loses his mind, loses his job. And he's sitting there with the mud in the pigs, looking at the sky. And in that moment, God shows him his wickedness and shows him in the mud with the pigs, his lostness. And what does he say? Man, if I could just go back to the time where I was at peace. For so many of us, we have wandered from peaceful, faithful roads, believing that we won't find punishment, and that is the only thing that we're walking towards. And if you say, Hunter, I haven't found it yet, hear me, it's coming. You're just not a fast walker. My friend, after the first girl didn't see it coming, the second girl didn't see it coming, the third girl didn't see it coming, but it came, right? And as we found punishment in the midst of our acknowledgement of sin, it only leads us empty, lonely, and lost. Now, this is a beautiful thing. Where is Christ in all of this? Go to verse 12. Where is Christ in our emptiness? Where is Christ in a book of sorrow and tear-filled eyes? When I announced that we were doing Lamentations, I would say, man, I'm excited about Lamentations. This is gonna show us God's goodness. And I had three or four people going, hey, brother, you know anything about this book? Like, this is a really dark book. I don't know where Jesus is in one verse. Well, let me show you. And I want you to remember, Jeremiah is a poetic writer. Jeremiah is also a prophet. And Jeremiah has a longstanding history of pouring into the people about the Christ to come. So it does not clearly state this, but many scholars, including myself, fully believe that we see a prophecy of the coming Christ in verse 12. Hang with me. Is it nothing to you, all of you who pass me by? 
Behold and see, is there any sorrow like my sorrow, which has been brought on me, which the Lord has inflicted in the day of his fierce anger? So now what we see, Jeremiah is writing from the perspective of Jerusalem. So we see that, oh man, Jerusalem is seeing that all of their friends left him and seeing that the girls have left her and all of those things. But we see that this is also a beautiful picture of Christ on the cross. Look at it. Is it nothing to you all who pass me by? We see Jesus and we see the cross. That all the people freely and quickly passed by Jesus as he hung there. And if they stopped, it was only to curse, mock, or spit on him. We see the suffering like no one has ever experienced or felt before. Way more than nails in the hand, but a separation of Christ as God poured his wrath onto Jesus for our salvation. We're going to come back to that point. Hang on it. Which the Lord afflicted on the day of his fierce anger we see the gospel. Hang with me. We're coming back to 12 in a second, okay? Let's go 13 through 22. I want you to see all the rest of the verses. From above, he has sent fire into my bones, and it has overpowered them, and he has spread a net for my feet. And he has turned me back, and he has made me desolate and faint all the day. The yoke of my transgressions was bound. They were woven together by his hands and thrust upon my neck. He made my strength fail. The Lord delivered me into the hands of those who I am not able to withstand. The Lord has trampled underfoot all of my mighty men in my midst. He has called an assembly against me to crush my young men. And the Lord trampled as in a winepress the virgin daughters of Judah. For these things I now weep. My eye, my eye overflows with water because the comforter who should restore my life is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy has prevailed. Zion spreads out her hands, but no one comforts her. The Lord is commanded concerning Jacob that those around him become his adversaries. That's what we read in Jeremiah. Jerusalem has become an unclean thing among them, right? Highlight 18, this is going to be a part of our Lord's Supper. And the Lord is righteous, for I have rebelled against his commandment. This is where God brought these people. Hear now, all people, and behold my sorrow. My virgins and my young men have gone into captivity. I have called for my lovers, but they have deceived me. My priest and my elders breathed breathed their last in the city while they sought food to restore their life. Highlight 20, Lord's Supper. See, O Lord, that I am in distress. My soul is troubled. My heart is overturned within me. For I have been very rebellious outside the sword, bereaved at home. It is like death. They have not heard my sigh, but no one comforts me. All of my enemies have heard my trouble, and they are glad that you have done it. Bring on the day you have announced that they may become like me. Last verse. Let all their wickedness come before you and do to them as you have done to me. For all of my transgressions, for my sighs are many, and my heart is faint. And where is Jesus? Where is the good news in chapter 1 of Lamentations? 
has understand this. Lamentations, even though it is darker in nature and filled with sorrows, the title of the book, Lamentations, is no different than any other book you see, see in the Bible. In that we are all sinners, that we all fall short, and we are all called to the same place, and that is repentance. When you look at Genesis and you look through Revelation, this is not an Old and New Testament gospel. No, what we see is we are all sinners. We all live in Jerusalem and we have all wondered and we are all being called to the same place at the cross and that is the ground of it and that is repentance. And repentance only hangs on it, comes and is created and birthed in man's sorrow. Do you see this? Repentance does not come and driven out of your wisdom and good perspective. Repentance always comes with you fully acknowledging your wickedness. Understand the formula. Grace and mercy comes in sorrow. Sorrow comes with the acknowledgement of sin. And this is where exactly God wants you. This is why Paul says, for when I am weak, I am what? Strong. God tore Jerusalem, think about your own life. God tore Jerusalem down so that the people could fully recognize their sin in hope to build them back up. Do you see it? Can you relate to it? God, why do you keep doing this? Because you are not like my son, so I will tear you down to make you more like him. And for some of us, we have and we are required to be more teared down than others. God warned these people, follow my commands. They refused. So Lamentations was written. This is the aftermath. This is the aftermath of what unchecked sin looks like. All of us, and we're going to speak on this as we come to a close and into our Lord's Supper, all of us are being warned. This is my story. This is Jeremiah's story. This is your story. Many times in life, if you've realized it or not, God has broken you down in hopes to build you up. We are all called in the foundation of this to repentance. Right now, what are you being warned of? If you are not in Lamentations and you are in the heart of Jeremiah, what are you being warned of? What are you inviting into your life that is only going to bring disaster? Like, is it substances? Is it flirtation? Is it lust? Is it your marriage? Is it your mind? Is it your behavior? Is it your relationships? Is it your friends? Your greed. What are you inviting that the world has told you that you'll end up at the same space, but you are walking towards punishment? Jeremiah spends 52 chapters saying, please, guys, do not go this way. And what they say, shut your mouth, we'll be fine. Fast forward, lamentations. He's watching people sell their valuables to survive, right? One thing COVID taught me was how quickly things can change. And there were moments where I stepped outside and just, it was like a ghost town, right? And I was thinking, what in the world, what planet am I in? 
I always tell some of my friends or Wendy, I go, man, this seems like a movie. Like this whole country that could not be touched is like the whole place just punched balls, right? I think that was God just winking at us and saying, hey, listen, do not forget what I am capable of doing. You are not too big. You are not too powerful. I'm speaking of you. You are not too big. You are not too rich. You are not too powerful for God to bring punishment to your sin that is unchecked. God will show you your wickedness if it is in warning or if it is in punishment. And in the Lord's Supper, he engages us every single chapter of Lamentations to repent. Right now, we're all being warned. If you are lost, it is desperately you need salvation. If you are lost and you do not care and you do not know Jesus and you keep coming to Eastview and the the Jesus that we love and the Jesus that we teach and the Jesus that we're obsessed with, man, like this isn't the Jesus you know. And you fully realize that you grew up in church and you understood God and you got sprinkled or baptized, but you don't know Christ. The gospel does not mean anything to you than you are going to heaven but you do not fully believe because you are not fully submitted in love with the risen king. If that is you, then God is showing you your lostness in the midst of your sin and your need of salvation. But maybe you are saved and you have wandered into dangerous places. And what you need to hear this morning is you are on a one-way road to punishment. You still might find heaven, but punishment in your sin is still coming. Is that where you are? As I invite my, my praise team up, Lamentations, I was talking to Brent and David, and we might do it. <clears throat> Lamentations, which <clears throat> is five chapters deep, literally invites us into the Lord's Supper every single week. Every single week, and we'll be about two months. Thank you, brother. We'll be in this chapter, or this, this study for about two months. But literally every week, it beautifully invites us to the Lord's Supper. So before we sing and pray, I want you to see, I told you to highlight it. Look at verse 18 and look at verse 20, this call to repentance, part of our Lord's Supper. The Lord is righteous. I rebelled against his commandment. Hear now, all people, and behold my sorrow. So God showed them their lostness and their brokenness. Look at verse 20. See, O Lord, that I am in distress. My soul now is in trouble. My heart is overturned with me, for I have been very rebellious outside of the sword, but breathes at home. It is like death. So before we go into our Lord's Supper, during this time, we're going to pray. I want your heads bowed, and we're going to be singing. I want you to seek forgiveness. Seek forgiveness and restoration from the only one who can give it to you. God is more capable than your spouse, your kids, your money, your wallet, your job. He is the only one who can make you right. I pray as all of us saved or lost, you are sinners. We have this in common today. But whoever you are, God, I see my sin. Show me my sin. 
Show, don't let me go too far on this road. Show me my sin. And if you see it, God, forgive me. Give me the strength and the endurance to repent. God, let me seek redemption. So as I pray, you pray and you keep praying. Whatever's on your heart, you're welcome to come to the altar. Save your juice, save your bread. Okay, we'll get into that in a second. And our praise team is gonna sing for us. Let's bow our heads. God, I thank you for today. Lord, I have loved my week in this book. And it's shown me so much of how you are orchestrating all of Scripture so we can see the same moment. Like as the magnitude of every verse and every character and every story and all the generations and years from Genesis to 2021 is so magnified. But man, it hangs still on just one moment. It all hangs on the cross. It all hangs on your sacrifice. It all hangs on your substitution. It all hangs on our sin and wickedness and what was accomplished through your son. It all hangs on this. We see this in Lamentations. We see the relatability, the application of people of what it looks like with sin that goes unchecked. Lord, I pray for my people here that they see their sin and if they don't know it, you show it to them. That they are not too proud that they are not too lost, they are not too broken, that they see it, that they fall to their face, they pray for forgiveness because we don't want lamentations. We don't want ruins and aftermath. We want repentance. Lord, help us be wise in your commands and the spirit that you have given us. In your precious and holy name, amen.